Hey everybody, uh, welcome to 2021. Welcome to Fishing for Men with uh, me, that is uh, Mac. I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas. I hope that you are excited about the new year. hope you had some really quality time with your family. In today's podcast, I'll be talking about this question. Why should we take the Christian God's warnings so seriously? Now, for those who are tuning in to this podcast for the first time, this show is about helping people formulate their worldview. Okay, it's for people who grapple with the big questions of life. And it's for Christians. It is also for disciples of Jesus who don't always have answers for the people they meet from different worldviews. So if you don't know what to answer atheists or you don't know what is the issue with all of the churches and you don't know how the Bible works and how it's put together and what the content of the Bible is about, then this will be a good show for you to listen to. So the topic for today, how did I come up with this? Um, Well, every beginning of a year, we are all into blessings and wishes and new goals for the year. You know, you know what the New Year's goals are usually lose weight and I don't know make money and get a new car etc etc and I generally try to look for something spiritual something in my character that I can develop or or work on it's almost like this idea of new year that we've got this new blank page in front of us right that you can you can write um, you can rewrite the story that we've messed up last year Right. I usually think along, you know, I usually think long and hard on some principles or teachings that I want to embrace as the year begins. Now, this year, well, we're only in the first week now, as I was thinking about this past week, there was one big word that bounced right back at me. And this is the word warning. So last weekend, um, you know, I had some food here, boxes of food that were frozen that were given away by a company. And I wanted to go give it to some people, some disciples um, who, who really struggle. And I wanted to deliver this food to them in Peter Maritzburg, which is about a half an hour drive from my house. And so I had the food in my car and I left and about halfway into the journey. It started raining. Now, let me tell you this. This is the worst rain I have ever driven in. And have you ever wondered how cars end up in water? You know, you see these photos in the newspapers when there's been some serious rain. I now know how that happens. I have heard so many people tell me, bro, when you drive your car and there's a puddle of water in the road, don't rush through it. Now, I'm not talking about a small puddle. I'm talking about the more bigger puddles that almost looks like a dam. Don't run your car through it at a very fast pace it's not a good idea so i've heard people warn me about that and you know and i didn't really you know didn't really disturb me and usually if i drive behind somebody who's who sees a puddle in the road starts driving slow and then slower and then even slower and broom 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 through the puddle i want to jump out of the car and go nuts Dude, it's only water, okay? The water's not going to go into your filtration system or hit you in the face. You're not going to drown. Just drive through the water. Now, there's a low tide bridge in an area called Bishopstow, okay? And the people usually let you know via WhatsApp, whether if, if for the people who live there, whether, that, whether the river is flowing over that bridge. Now, this particular day, obviously, because of the rain, that um, little bridge was overflown with water. Now... I have stopped there a few times. There's a car in front of me and I see the river, the water is flowing over the bridge. 
And so I would wait for this person to eventually drive over. Eventually they don't drive over and they just stand there. Then I get annoyed and then I go around and I just drive over the bridge through the water and I get over on the other side and I'm all happy. I'm like, just go, dude. So, um, it's raining now. I've got this food in the car and this rain is so bad I can't even see through the screen. I don't even know if I'm driving through the street or driving through a river. That's what it looks like. Any case, um, there was a robot or traffic light for those of you in the States and I saw the, the light was going orange, amber, and I wanted to, to make it through because I was already late because of this rain and so I hit that, that, uh, the, the petrol pedal and I went through that robot and I hit a, a whole pool of water and I'm, I felt so proud for making it through the robot. But 100 meters further, my car started um, dying out in the middle of the road, on a level road, in the middle of a township. Those who don't live in South Africa would, would not know this, but those who do live in South Africa, it's not a cool idea to be stuck in the middle of a road in a, on a dark night when it's raining that hard in a township. And then I knew why people warned me. Now, what do you do in such a situation? What do you do in a situation when you've gone through a puddle and your car suddenly won't work anymore? Well, you Google. The car doesn't work, but my phone does, right? And so I go onto Google and I find out on Google, you know, what do you do um, when your car has died out after you've driven through a puddle of water? And all of them basically said the same thing. Now imagine how I'm feeling when I hear this. Wait a few days and the car should start again if the water didn't get into some serious place. I'm like, oh my goodness. And so I try to start turning around the car. I don't want to get out of the car because if I get out of the car, I'll be wet within two seconds. Totally wet. That's how hard it's raining. And so I'm using my starter to like sort of move the car and turn it around so that I could at least go down, um, push the car down to towards the um, to, to the Shell Ultra service station that's just down the road. Well, not push it. I'm going to use the starter to get myself there. And by the way, if you didn't know that, you can sort of move your car forward by just holding in the starter key. If it doesn't want to start and you've got battery power, I don't think it's a good idea to do that, but it, it sort of worked. And then about 10 minutes later, suddenly my car started again. Now, I, I don't I don't know how you would feel, but it's quite a, it's quite annoying and, it, and it's it, there's great uncertainty because what if it doesn't start in a few days? I've got to phone people to come and fetch me. It's going to cost money. Maybe the car's broken. Money I don't have. You know what I'm talking about? And so, any case, I was very happy when the car started again. Now, I went and dropped off the food, everything was cool, and on the way back, and this this was quite cool, on the way back, I was thinking to myself, I wonder how many cars I'm going to see next to the road, how many people am I going to drive past, who also rushed through a puddle, maybe that very same puddle, and you know what I found, rows of cars stuck next to the road, after every puddle, and what did I think, you know what I thought, I thought, you fools, you silly idiots, you mamparas, that's the word that me and my children use for each other when we do something stupid. You mamparas. My first thought was condescending. Yet I did the same thing half an hour back. I was a fool on the very same night. And then it struck me. They were probably warned like me as well, but they didn't listen just like me. And that is me. I will only believe you when I felt it, not when you told me. You can choose to go through life, not heed warnings and get broken down, or you can heed the warnings, travel slower, but make it to your destination. 
something in me wanted to stop and also tell these guys, hey guys, don't worry, just a few minutes and your call will start again. Don't go to Google and don't call a towing truck. You see, although there was a warning, there was also an easy way out. And as I was driving back home, I thought about just this powerful lesson this is in my life. Why don't I just heed to the warnings? Why do I always want to feel first before I actually listen to the warning? And to make matters even a little bit more worse, let me tell you something else that happened with us in the last few weeks. A more serious example in December. We are in East London. The kids are driving us nuts. The beaches are closed. So we go swim in the lagoon. Um, I wish Ramaphosa would close off the, the malls and stuff and keep the beaches open. But he doesn't do that. He closes the beaches. And so we go do the lagoon. And then Ramaphosa speaks in the middle of December somewhere. And he's, he closes off the lagoons as well. But guess what is open? Now we've got a small yard. We can't go to the beach. We can't go to the lagoon. There's nothing to do. The kids are going nuts. They're driving us insane. We just want to get some of the energy out of them. Guess what is open in East London? Gravity. The trampoline dream for kids in East London. This is, this is so cool. It's like a big warehouse. And it's just filled with, with trampolines everywhere. And the kids can just jump and go nuts, you know. Um, and I thought this would be amazing. Because... The kids will get tired and they'll get home and they will just want to sleep. They're not going to drive me insane. Um, but however, this place is a breeding ground for sweat infested viruses. There's very little ventilation. There's lots of kids. Alfreda goes and she jumps with the kids. She falls into the virus infected sponges at the one area. And there a few days later, she tests positive for COVID. And my goodness, have we not been warned over and over again about this virus? Have we not been warned to avoid places like this? To be honest, I have not been concerned about this virus once. I've not taken the warnings serious once. Yes, I wear my mask. I obey the law. But it's not like, oh, I'm going to die or I'm scared type of thing. But now that I've felt it, and I prob probably have it as I speak here, I seem to be more willing to listen. Now that people I know have died of it, now I take it more seriously. Why is it, ladies and gentlemen, that we don't listen to warnings until it is too late? I think it is because we want to do what we want. We want to do what we like. We want to do what is convenient for us. Or we don't really believe the warning is legit. Ah, this virus is invisible. It doesn't exist. Or, you know, I can drive through this water. Nothing's going to happen. I want to go through this water fast. I want the kids to play themselves into a pop so they will sleep like babies tonight so I can watch my movies. Right? If we take warnings seriously, it will alter our lives. It will change the direction of our lives. And this is the fundamental reason why people don't believe or don't want to believe in God. Because they don't like His warnings. If they were to take His warnings seriously, they would have to alter their lives. Now, I would like to suggest two reasons why we should heed God's warnings. And I'd like to say, I mean, we live in a time where it is important to heed warnings. And I believe it's just as important, even more important to heed God's warnings. I would like to give you two reasons why it's a good idea to heed God's warnings, whether you believe in God or not. Number one, history shows that God's warnings have a 100% accuracy. In other words, history shows that if God says, if you do this or do that, that's going to happen. He's 100% accurate. God warned Adam and Eve. Okay, they did not listen. Okay, and what happened? They did die. God said you would die if you eat from the tree, and they did. <coughs> God warned Cain. 
He said to Cain, look, sin desires to have you. You need to, you need to run. You need to face this. Don't do this. What did he do? He did not listen. And what happened? He killed his brothers. But maybe those stories are too early for you to believe in. And, and we can't prove that those events really did happen. But what about some of the events that can be proven historically? What about the flood? Now, remember, we spoke about this last year. Noah warned the people of the flood. He warned them, look, there's a flood coming. This world will be flooded. You've got to change your ways and you've got to get onto that boat. But nobody except Noah and his family believed. And guess what? The rain came and the fountains rose and nobody, well, millions of people died. And nobody doubts that the flood took place, took place. And that's what we spoke about in a previous podcast. And if you haven't read that one, go or listen to that one, go research it. Um, it's, it's on Fishing for Men with Mac. You'll find that one about the flood. The oldest writings that we have on the planet claims that there was a flood. For example, the Epic of Gilgamesh. But maybe you struggle with that too, with the historicity of the flood, even though the evidence is everywhere across the globe. What about Israel? God warned Israel that they were going to be conquered by the Assyrians if they didn't change their ways and stop worshipping foreign gods. And they were taken over by the Assyrians in 721 BC. Sennacherib took them all captive. This is recorded in history. This is recorded even outside the source of the Bible. But let's still get earlier. What about Judah? What about Judah? God told the Israelites they would be destroyed by Babylon. God warned Hezekiah that it would happen before it happened. And it did. In 585 BC, Babylon took over Israel. This event is situated in history. Maybe that is also too far away. What about Jerusalem? Isaiah warned the Israelites of the destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus himself warned the people of the day that Jerusalem will be destroyed unless the people change their ways. Josephus, the secular historian, recorded the actual destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Nobody doubts that. God warned us of it and it did happen. What about Paul and Agabus? In Acts 21 verse 10 to 11, <laughs> There's a scripture that says, As we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his hands and feet and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And you know what happened to Paul? Indeed, he did go to Jerusalem. And when he got to Jerusalem, indeed, he was bound and he was eventually taken to Rome and he eventually died in Rome. Everybody agrees with this. That was a warning from a prophet that came from God. So every time God makes a warning, he fulfills that warning. What do we make of this? Well, if God warns us of something, it will come to pass. We should not take his warnings lightly. I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 1 to 13. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the seas. Talking about the Israelites of the Exodus who walked through the Red Sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. <coughs> now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and, go and to got up and indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did and in one day 23,000 of them would died. 
We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Wow, this is intense. God judged idolaters. He warned them. Don't worship stuff. They made a golden calf. They slept around like wild animals. God warned them, don't do that. Right? They tested God. They grumbled. They were unhappy. God is warning us here. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. It's a warning on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And this is specifically a message for my brothers and sisters who are in Christ. Don't call yourself a disciple of Jesus, but you're an idolater. You worship other things. You're sexually immoral. You grumble the whole time. God is warning us here that these things are very serious. But the point just here is this. Let me reiterate it. <laughs> History shows that God's warnings has 100% accuracy. Secondly, second point. Rationality shows that God's warnings are for our own good. Rationality shows that God's warnings are for our own good. I'm going to read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 to 13. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statues of the Lord that I'm giving you this day for your own good? You see, we have this common misconception that God is just vindictive, that he wants to spoil our fun. But what if God never warned us that if we live this lifestyle or that if we do that, we would get into trouble? What if he never warned? What if we never warned our kids about that hot stove or deep swimming pool or the too much sweets? What if our government never warned us of COVID? What if we never had a lockdown? Never, no warnings, no, you know what, don't worry, guys, just do what you want. Just do it any way that you want. Where would we have been now? I want to read you two scriptures just again and then we'll 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 call some explanation into it. Galatians five, nineteen to twenty one. Listen carefully, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 to 10 says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of of our God. Now, let's look at these for a moment and just think about it. I mean, these are quite intense verses. Is drunkenness, so the text says, okay, drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's talk about that. And God is warning us here. He says, if you live a lifestyle where you get drunk perpetually, you have a lifestyle where you sleep around perpetually, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. God is giving us a warning there. Now, let's ask this question. Is drunkenness good for you? Is it good for you? You can go read almost 
you can go read almost every article out there about stuff that's good to us and not one of the things that is in there you know by doctors would say getting drunk is good for your physical body a good getting drunk is good for your mental health that getting drunk that is good for your metabolism you won't get that i watched a, a, a story just recently of a guy here in south africa who uh, got drunk one night and he had some issues with his family etc and then he shot his two children one is four and the other one is five he shot his boy in the kitchen and when the girl ran away his little daughter five-year-old daughter ran into the yard he lined up his gun like a hunter and he shot her from behind that's what drunkenness can do to you is sleeping around good for you having multiple sexual partners do i have to say anything about that about the stds and if you are listening to this you've had intercourse with people before you've broken up with that person you've been hurt you've been broken your life has been altered forever because of that emotional connection that you built with that um, person sleeping around avoids lack of uh, it avoids the the commitment and the love that is necessary to have a good relationship it is sleeping around that often leads to orphaned children that leads to um, abortions it is um, sleeping around that leads to split parenthoods it hurts everybody else it hurts you it's not good for us what about homosexuality there's a high risk of suicide for homosexual people there's a high risk of contracting hiv okay homosexual relationships are less healthy and less natural relational experiences what about hatred and fits of rage when you act without thinking you know uh, my um, my dad the other day just uh, was stopped by a police officer and um, he had a ding dong with with the guy and there was this tremendous this this tremendous temptation to just punch him and if you've got a fits of rage you'll do something like that you'll just do the things that you shouldn't be doing it's not good for you now I can go on and on and on and there are also other consequences you can go in look at each and every one of these things that are written in the word okay and then you can go find out and you can go do a rational investigation throw the bible away just look at those those things that god speaks about and you're going to see those things are not good for us these attitudes and this way of life hurts people and it hurts you and god warns us against these things for our own good and the good of others while we live this life but what about the next life the god who created us wants us to behave in certain ways and develop characters that is good for humanity he would like us to spend eternity with him Jesus said that he's preparing a place for each of us to stay. But God warns us that he will only allow certain, a certain type of person into his presence. And the people listed here by Paul won't be welcome. Now let's test this. Let's test that. Let's see if God is irrational. Would you feel comfortable to let someone come live in your house who shot his kids? Would you feel comfortable to, to let somebody come be your life partner who perpetually sleeps around? Who ever, hardly ever speaks the truth? Who drinks himself into paralysis daily? Who slanders you every day at the neighbors? Of course we wouldn't feel comfortable. But God is infinitely holy. He has to destroy sin. But here is something so cool. All these types of people, if you listen very carefully, especially to the Corinthian text, all these types of people are welcome in heaven regardless of what they've done if they come to Jesus. If you come to Christ, it takes care of your sin. That's why these people, there were people in the Corinthian church, they were homosexual. There they, they were people that were fornicators. There were people who were drunkards. But they changed their lives and they came to Christ. Okay, And what's very important about those verses is, he's talking about people who make it a lifestyle. If this is your lifestyle to do these things, if your lifestyle is drunkenness, you're going to get into problems. You're going to get into serious problems with God. And God is warning us here. The warning is clear. Without Jesus, there's no other way to make it to God. 
I listened today in conclusion to an inmate from Cape Town, from a Cape Town prison that came to give a talk to a young group of young people about how he ended up in prison. It was a video on Facebook. Very cool. These guys tell the most heart-wrenching stories. It doesn't matter how you feel about this. If you live in South Africa, you have to submit to the laws of South Africa. The warning is there that if you don't, you can end up in prison. At the end of the day, you suffer. Similarly, God has made us. He has placed us on this planet that he made. He has given us the wonders and the pleasures of this world. He has written his word in our hearts. He's given us the moral law imprinted in our hearts. And if we abuse it, then we abuse ourselves and others. And God gives us a stern warning that there will be consequences. You cannot escape it. So my message to start the new year is this. Heed the warning. That counts for Corona. It counts for your moral life. It counts for your relational life. God warns us that he will hold us accountable by the way that we treat our partners and our spouses and our children and our parents. Rather choose the hard right over the easy wrong this year. Love you guys. See you next week.